The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. This is Arun Sulama in Hong Kong. I'm very happy to be joined this Monday morning by Richard Brett, who's CEO of Ogilvy PR and Ogilvy Health in Australia. Richard, how are you doing? Hi, I'm very good, thank you. Great to be able to join you this Monday morning. Yeah, or it may even be Monday afternoon, I suppose. Yes, it's just Monday afternoon here in Sydney, yeah. Cool, excellent. So thanks a lot for your time. Before we get started, I just wanted to ask you, actually, because um, I'm not sure if we've had you on the podcast before. Um, I think this may be your Provoke Media podcast debut. Um, How long have you been in Australia now? Yes, uh, longer than um, I dare to admit, nine years now, which is crazy. Yeah, so when I came here, I I thought I'd maybe do three or four years. Um, But yeah, I've actually been here nine years in October. That's crazy, because I remember meeting you in London before you moved to Australia. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, great. Well, it's good to hear. I mean, it it seems like you've done really well there. Uh, obviously, you're now in, in charge of everything at Ogilvy, Ogilvy PR and Ogilvy Health. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, me and uh, myself and Sally Kassane, um, they sort of <clears throat> brought us together more last year um, under Ogilvy. So um, it's great to you know be able to build a much more kind of integrated offer for our clients um, here. And, yeah, and also I love Australia. It's a, It's a great place to be. Yeah, well, that helps too. So we're going to exactly. talk about Ogilvy PR's futures report. So just for the benefit of our listeners, um, this is a report you've you've kind of been doing regularly, but is this the first time you've done it since the pandemic hit? Yeah, well, we, we um, I think, as you know, before the pandemic, we would do them every year. So it was sort of a, mm. a summary of all the big technological and creative conferences like South by Southwest and Can Lions. Um, but, mm. you know, it really felt that it needed our team to be at the conferences. Um, so, yeah, we sort of paused them during the mm. pandemic. We did some we did some sort of special ones. So we did a one looking at the future of health care marketing. Uh, we did a special on the PR industry, the future of the PR industry, and one on the future of content marketing. But yeah, this is the first time mm-hmm. where we've sort of assembled content from the big conferences and put it into an annual mm-hmm. report since 2019. Wow, okay. Um, uh, but luckily, not much has changed since 2019 uh, in terms of the world at large, right? So uh, I guess... Uh, in terms of what you have seen over the last, I suppose, the three years since the last report, and given the fact that, you know, we have had this a, a pandemic, which some countries are still emerging from, would you say you were surprised by the findings that came out in, in the latest edition of the report? I don't think I was surprised. I think you know, we're seeing a continuation of many of the themes that we are all aware of. Um, You know, I think one of the headlines 
from the report we did in 2019 and the report this year is still purpose-led marketing. Mm. That's not new news. Um, and you know, CAN especially was full of purpose-led campaigns. So we've tried to really look at, well, within purpose, what is changing? Um, mm. And I think that the big headline probably and the pandemic has probably accelerated that is, you know, mm. the emergence of how social media and new platforms are connecting connecting us and how they are mm-hmm. monetizing creativity as well. So mm-hmm. that's really the sort of the headline is, is how we're sort of seeing this new shift from, you know, control messages and brands and organizations, you know, pushing out content and messages to audiences to a real sense of collaboration or alchemy as the report's title suggests uh, and conversation Mm -hmm. where organizations are really allowing fans consumers creatives to play around with and be inspired Mm -hmm. and facilitate content for them to actually create on their behalf which was happening before Mm -hmm. but we've really seen this accelerate and there's been a real sort of drive to the monetization of that as well mm-hmm. so new platforms like patreon for example are really taking off and allowing people to begin to reap financial benefits from creating for for brands right um the report looks at 10 trends across four chapters so altruism is is one as you mentioned that's trends in purpose uh, authors, which is uh, also, as you mentioned, into, looks at co-creation, the acceleration there, avatars, so that's adventures in identity, and altered authority, uh, which um, focuses on re-empowering democracy. So we, we talk about um, co-creation first, because that, as, as you've described it as the headline, um, it's not something, I don't think you'd say it's something that's kind of brand new within no. this whole PR, PR and marketing world. Do you think, um, or, or perhaps if I put it this way, what factors from the last perhaps two to three years do you think have accelerated that shift towards um, co-creation? And how much of that do you think is down to the, I suppose, the changes we've seen uh, because of the way people are, are living and working now? Mm. You're right. I mean, I think it was happening, you know, this is a trend that was happening before the the pandemic. And it's hard, I think, to clearly say how the pandemic has had an impact. But I think as we've all observed and talked about, the pandemic has certainly accelerated a shift towards how we're connecting digitally, obviously through work. But I think it's also accelerated the shift to people consuming content through their devices and obviously there are other things that have happened as well you know the arrival of tiktok was that accelerated by the pandemic really hard to say um we don't really know Mm. but i think we are seeing uh and, and what we've tried to articulate in the report is how the attitude of brand holders and stakeholders Mm -hmm. seems much more open to Mm -hmm. collaborating with and seeing the input of fans and other creators and sort of almost relaxing control Mm -hmm. and letting 
and embracing the fact that people are creating all this really interesting and highly engaging content about their organization in ways that they would never have thought of. And that's what people want. Mm. So that, mm. that we think is a real shift that has, um, it was perhaps happening before, but has certainly accelerated in the last few years. It's very interesting because for, for a long time, we've heard that brands have, have got to get better at giving up control. Um, if they hope to kind of create more you know, authentic connections or, or, or relationships with people, let's say. Um, but that's been really difficult, I think, for many companies, many brands to to do effectively. Um, what, why do you think they are more relaxed about it now, given that there's still a lot of risks involved, I would imagine, when it comes to, um, to giving up control of, of the brand across all of these various online platforms? Yeah, there there are definite risks. I mean, I think I think there's two things that have have changed. I think there are more really good examples where brands have relaxed control and embraced it, mm-hmm. and I think it's given confidence for other brand holders to say, okay, you know, let's try this and see what happens. I think secondly, there's been a real shift of people to engaging with content that not that is, that is not created by the brand but is created by other people talking about the brand and i think people are seeing mm. that is actually what people are engaging with um mm. and i think that there is now more of a motivation for um creators to create content mm. because they can monetize it now as well yeah so right. I think that they're the things that are that are that are shifting um, mm-hmm. and yeah. allowing people to perhaps feel more confident about this new paradigm in create in creativity. And any brands in particular that you point to as examples of those that are that are doing a particularly good job in this area? Well, I think um, you know one of the classic examples I think was the draw catch up campaign from Heinz where Mm -hmm. they simply asked the internet to draw ketchup and every single person apart from one guy who drew drew a mustard uh, bottle for some reason (laughs) um, drew essentially a Heinz shaped red classic ketchup bottle Um, and then they did a really interesting piece of content with AI where they asked AI to draw ketchup in the style of famous artistic um, styles as well, which was really interesting. Mm. Um, the Skittles Lime campaign, where mm-hmm. they sort of went out and actually apologised for removing lime um, and did, you know, a whole sort of um, ironic press conference and then an apology to I think the one hundred thirty-five thousand people that had complained online about the removal of Lyme and made a whole campaign about that. So sort of embraced their mistake, um, which I mm. think, you know, ties into something that we talked about. We talked about this trend called Flawson back in 2019, where, you know, we were seeing leaders and, brace, uh, and brands embrace where they've made mistakes or got things wrong. Mm. And this sort of, I think, desire away from kind of spin 
and um, you know, Teflon coated leadership to be much more kind of humble and authentic kind of ties into this shift mm. um, as well. Yeah. You talked about um, the emergence of new platforms and in particular the ability to monetize more effectively. And you mentioned mm. Patreon, but presumably you're also talking about, for example, the metaverse and, and the use of NFTs. Is that something that you're increasingly seeing? Yeah, so in, in the report, we talk about a trend called the me in metaverse, which is, you know, obviously we're all talking about the metaverse and the opportunities that is allowing us. So we wanted to look at something slightly different within there. And I think one of the things that struck the team who went to Cannes this year was about how people are expressing themselves in very different and interesting and new ways on the metaverse. So it's this idea that you can really be whoever you want to be. Um, and there was a, a number of talks from um, you know, about how Gen Z is sort of going into the metaverse as very different personalities and very different people. Um, and the fashion world is really embracing that self-expression. Um, and they seem to be the industry that is perhaps seemingly to have having the, the most or perhaps the first set of interesting financial rewards and benefits from 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 playing in the metaverse um, commercially. Um, and then, yeah, and we're, we're seeing lots of interesting new w ways that people are, um, are monetizing this uh, creation. So um, NFC is obviously being, being in a good example. Uh, we talk about how the um, chain smokers with their new album created an NFT for their super fans as well that was available with the um, with the album. And then we talked about, I think, because of Patreon, how other platforms um, such as YouTube, Spotify, TikTok are re-looking re at and changing and giving more money back to creators for content that is gaining traction as well. So there's been a real shift, you know, not massive, but there's certainly a shift towards how these platforms can actually reward the people that are creating interesting content um, on, on the platforms as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. And I mean, in, in general, how far along would you say brands are? Because especially with the metaverse and, and NFTs, there does seem to be um, you know, concern around whether it's being overhyped. Um, when you look at your own client base, for example, would you say it's something that's, is, you know, usage is widespread now, or is it still, you're still at a kind of educational phase? And you know, I suppose how far do you think we're going to get with it all? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. <coughs> Excuse me, I'll start again. Um, that, that's a great question. I think our general advice is depends on the industry mm. that you're in so certainly for gaming it's you know a real advice is absolutely jump in yeah um i think the second industry where we're seeing a lot of traction as i said is is fashion so we are seeing mm. the real traction around the monetization of the metaverse for fashion brands but you know I, I think depending on who you are I think our advice would be it's 
we're still in early days. Um, and I think it feels in many ways a little bit, little bit like the early days of the iPhone where suddenly there was this new almost infrastructure and we didn't quite know the app economy that would mm-hmm. follow. It feels a little bit mm-hmm. like that, that we sort of we don't quite know what's possible and the way that it's going to go mm-hmm. yet. Um, but there will be, I think, lots of really, really interesting, you know, possibilities for organizations to to build and explore and monetize um, what they do on the mm. metaverse um but yeah i think it depends on the industry that you're in and i think for, for certainly for many clients it's more of a watch wait and mm. see for others depending on the industry yes jump in and begin begin exploring yeah. and when it comes to avatars um one of the things that i think is quite interesting there is that so in your reports described as adventures in identity. Um, do you see any risks there around around authenticity, for example? Because, you know, we're kind of, we've always been told, I suppose, that companies have to be uh, authentic and genuine and honest and credible. Uh, but now we, we seem to be entering into an era when there are so many possibilities in terms of what, who someone can be online. Um, and, and, and what they can say and what mm. they can, you know, how they can identify and all, all, you know, many manners. Do you see any risks around that when it comes to brand authenticity? Definitely. I mean, I think where, where we're seeing, um, you know, I, I think that the opportunities and risks are around how you can really add value and a genuinely interesting experience or piece of content on the metaverse Mm -hmm. um and i think you know the danger is that brands could you know for example just set up a store um in in the metaverse but it doesn't really add anything new or Mm -hmm. interesting to people's experiences Mm -hmm. so you know, it's, you've got to avoid just doing the same thing that you're doing in the physical world. You've got to create something that is, you know, different, useful, interesting, gives people joy, whatever it might mm. be. Um, but it's different to the physical, the physical world. Yeah. Um, and then the final uh, chapter in the report uh, looks at altered authorities. So a new role for brands and organizations, um, as governments struggle with, you know, increasingly complex problems. Um, and that's something, again, that we have seen, I think, taking shape uh, for a number of years now. Um, again, how um, how ready do you think companies are for this kind of a role? I think that there have been a number of things that have happened in the past few years. And, and this set of trends is is sort of powered by huge, you know, so, mm-hmm. social forces um, that are really outside any CMO or, or CCO or C, even CEO's mm-hmm. control. Um, you know, one of the trends is, explores how government primarily the US government has actually been very successful in tackling fake Mm. news around 
the war in Ukraine. Um, And we sort of explore the cool Russia campaign as a really interesting example of how people are fighting back against autocratic misinformation where essentially um, hundreds of thousands of real Russians were phoned by volunteers Mm. to tell them what was really happening in the war in Ukraine. So we're, we're seeing, I think, you know, this sense of people feeling empowered to take on these problems themselves against this backdrop of huge, you know, economic, climatic, um, challenges, political challenges that the world is seeing. And I think we're also seeing increasingly perhaps where brands wanted to avoid picking sides on a political debate, either choosing to pick sides or being forced to to pick sides. And, you know, the, the case of Disney in Florida perhaps was a tipping point where, you know, I think the management of Disney wanted to avoid getting into the the don't say gay Mm -hmm. bill debate but because of pressure from their employees they decided to take a stand um you know is being is being you know one example um of that and um you know another example i think that we've seen um that we talk about and there's a trend that we call powers the me which really looks at how um, organizations, people, brands are learning from political campaigns mm. to stand up for things that they don't believe are um, that they don't believe are um, a right. Mm. Um, and the morning after Ireland, I think, is a great example of that. Um, yeah, where an organization found a way to really make a dramatic point um, about access to emergency contraception Mm -hmm. and managed to then create political debate around this this issue Mm -hmm. um, where they basically built a small uh, essentially platform in international waters um, Mm -hmm. off the the coast of Honduras and then people went out to to take the take the uh, medication there but it created a a national debate and conversation Mm. um so i think you know we're seeing creativity used in really interesting ways to change law uh there's a trend in the report called standing in opposition which is all about how you know organizations are choosing to tackle issues to pick a side and drive change Mm. perhaps being more political and more controversial than they would have done um, you know, perhaps, yeah. you know, a few years ago. So, you know, why that is happening, you know, I think there's obviously, especially in the US, increasingly sort of polarised political discourse that is perhaps making company and organisational leaders that they can't really stand on the sides anymore. Um, and they need to choose where they where they stand um, and make a point and do what they can to try and change things that you know whether their target audiences consumers or in the case of disney their employees believe uh, they they have to do something yeah so this whole idea which existed for a long time i think that that companies should just not get involved in politics um 
do, do you think that just doesn't apply anymore? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's too risky to not say anything. I, I think, I, I think it increasingly is a position where companies can't mm. not take yeah. a stand. And I think it's really being driven by the generational mm. shift. If you look at the data for Gen Z and millennials, you know, they passionately believe in diversity and inclusion. They're extremely worried about the state of the environment and the climate crisis. Mm. And they want organizations with purpose that are going to stand up and make those changes. Mm. And in many countries around the world where there is huge tightness of labor markets, um, employees expect organizations to be doing things to make the world a better place. Yeah. So again, it doesn't apply to every organization in, in every market, but I think increasingly, yes, we are going to see organizations having to do things that their employees believe in yeah. um, and fight, fight for fight for change. Yeah. Very interesting. And, and, Opens up a lot of possibilities, I suppose, for the uh, for the public relations industry. Um, Richard, thank you so much for your time today. The report is called Alchemy Avatars and Altered Authority, and it can be found on Ogilvy PR Australia's website. And I definitely recommend reading it because um, there's actually I really enjoy a lot of the examples that are drawn out from the report it's quite um, it's not dry let's put it that way um, which I think is always always a good thing um, so thanks Richard and hopefully we'll get you back on the, the podcast in the not too distant future thanks very much it's great to uh, great to catch up and great to uh, great to chat about these these trends thanks for having me you've been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.